In all three of the scripture readings that you have listened to this morning, you've heard a single theme. You've heard about the shepherd and the sheep. When the church puts scriptures together as she did for today, for this Sunday after Pentecost, and develops a theme from various parts of the Old and the New Testament that all focus in on the same thing, we have to realize there is a message there. (laughs) Mother Church is trying to say something to us trying to remind us of what Scripture has to say for us. So this morning we focus in on a shepherd and the sheep. And you know, the interesting thing about that is that whenever Jesus taught, he always tried to incorporate the people that were in his congregation in what he was saying so that if there were a lot of women in the group, he would talk about things women do. And if there were a lot of farmers in the group, he would talk about the work that farmers do. And if there were shepherds, he would talk about the things that shepherds do. This morning, he's talking to us about sheep and shepherds. How many shepherds are here this morning? (laughs) Not a single one. None of us have ever shepherded sheep. None of us have had the experience of working with that peculiar animal that God has created and placed in our midst as a living metaphor of the relationship that he wants to have for us. And yet, even though none of us have ever done that, there is nothing more meaningful to us than that image. Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. How many churches have you passed in the evening and seen a stained glass window in that church lighted from the inside that projects that image out there of the good shepherd, of Jesus having rescued the lost sheep, holding it to his chest and bringing it back to the flock, bringing it back to safety. And how consoled and encouraged we were by that image. Isn't it interesting that that should have such a natural appeal to us and yet none of us have ever experienced it. Our only experience has been through Scripture. And Jesus using that image as a symbol for us of his concern for us and his hope for our allegiance to him, our obedience to him. So let's look at the sheep for a moment and see what is this animal that is held up for us in this relationship because Scripture tells us that in all of the teachings that Jesus did 
and also in the prophecies of the Old Testament, the sheep were associated with the people. They were a symbol of who we were, God's people who needed a shepherd. We are like sheep. So what are sheep like? Sheep are very unique and strange animals. Sheep do not have any natural defense mechanism. They are by nature loving and meek and gentle. Gentle as a lamb. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> How often have we heard that? God did not equip them with any means of defending themselves. Sheep do not have claws like a cat. They do not have teeth like an alligator. They don't have a hard shell around them like a turtle. They can't flee and climb trees like squirrels. They can't fly from danger like birds. They are the most helpless of God's creatures. So how do they survive? They depend on their shepherd. They totally and completely depend on their shepherd for everything. He leads them out to pasture to feed them. He brings them by the cool brooks to quench their thirst. He provides everything for them. And sheep know internally how much they need the shepherd. And so there is a natural relationship that is there. Sheep are not herded like cattle using whips and ropes and loud, loud noises to corral them from the sides and from the back and to force them forward. Sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd leads the way and the sheep follow. And in following their shepherd, they develop a relationship to him. They recognize his voice. They will follow his voice over any of the other voices around them that are calling out to other sheep. They know who their shepherd is and they follow the shepherd. In the Old Testament reading that we had today, Jeremiah prophesied 
in terms of the relationship between sheep and a shepherd. I want you to look again at the words of Jeremiah in that prophecy. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. A condemnation of false shepherds who are not concerned for the welfare of the sheep, but are carrying them out instead of into safety, into danger. Instead of providing for them, they are being neglected. And Jeremiah uses that strong relationship that is known to all the people of his time as an example of what is going on and what is totally and completely unacceptable by God. They are destroying and scattering the sheep. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds who are abusing my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. That's Jeremiah's words of condemnation to the leaders of Judea who had not been the shepherds that God placed them to be but have taken advantage of and have abused the sheep. And God says they are going to be punished. The historical framework of these words, of course, is the fall of the kingdom of Judah, where the king and the religious leaders had neglected the care of their people and God was preparing a punishment for them. Because you have turned your back on God, God will turn your back on you. But God spoke of that through Jeremiah's prophecy in the terms of a relationship, an intimate, close relationship between a shepherd and a sheep, between God who loves and cares for his people and wants them to be nurtured and watched over and the sheep who need to be able to rely faithfully on the words of their leaders, their shepherds. And because they have abused that, God says he will punish them. And that punishment was the loss of their city, the loss of their temple, the loss of their kingdom, the loss of their identity of a, as a people, and they were carried off into bondage in Babylon. And there they stayed for 70 years, two generations, so that the ones who came home were not the ones who were carried off. They were new people that God was starting to populate his kingdom with. And while they were in bondage there in Babylon, God raised up good shepherds among them, other prophets who spoke of God not having written them off, 
and loving them and providing for them and he would send a savior for them and would carry them back and to restore them. And historically, that's exactly what happened. And the kingdom of Judah was rebuilt, restored completely. And it was that rebuilt Judea and Jerusalem and Israel that Jesus Christ was born in. And that's what that prophecy was really saying. It was saying immediately, we're going to raise up some good shepherds for you who are going to take care of you, but eventually God is going to bring to you the premier shepherd, the Messiah, the Savior, who will be your shepherd. And that's why Jesus declared himself, I am the good shepherd. I am the one that was spoken about by Jeremiah. I am the prophet who comes back now as the shepherd and assures you of God's love for you and to provide for you. Look how we encounter this relationship in the New Testament reading that we had. We're in chapter 6 of Mark's Gospel, which tells us very early in Jesus' public life. And even here, very early in Jesus' public life, he has already chosen 12 apostles whom he wants to bring in and nurture and discipline and train to care for his people. He wants to show them how to be good shepherds. And he has sent them out two by two with the authority to preach the gospel that he has given them. Jesus is already this early in his ministry beginning the work that is going to sustain the gospel until Jesus Christ comes again at the end of time. It is the foundation work of the church. He sends them out as shepherds and gives them authority and power to provide for the sheep and to care for them. And as we opened the gospel this morning, we read that they had just come back and they were so excited about the success that they had had they had gone on their own and Jesus had stayed back, but he had provided success for them where they went. And they gathered the sheep of Israel and assured them that God had provided a shepherd for them and that they had the words that that shepherd wanted to share with them. And in his name, they were able to do great miracles and cure the sick and provide the help for those who needed it. And they came back all excited about it. And then Jesus says something very important to them as they come back. He says, you've done a wonderful job. You have been 
perfect shepherds to the sheep that I sent you to. You have been very successful in what you have done, but now you deserve a break. You deserve a break today. And you know, we read that in the scriptures and we almost read right through it because we're not sure how it fits in. But those are actually some very important words that Jesus wants to tell us. Because Jesus, who is the good shepherd and who wants to provide for all of his sheep through appointing shepherds to work in his behalf, he tells them that they must keep themselves in good shape and have the proper rest and take time out from their duties in order to refresh themselves. In other words, he's saying, let God shepherd you as well. And spend some time away from all of the activities that you do as a shepherd for other people. And get your rest so you can be refreshed and renewed and invigorated so that you can go back in and continue that work because there's much work to be done. But you can't do it if you wear yourself out. And so Jesus tells them, let's go off to a quiet place together and get some refreshment and some rest. And Jesus takes them across the lake but the nature of the Lake of Galilee is that it's not very big and that the sides, instead of being low shores like the low country that we're used to, are sloping hills. And you don't have to go up very far before you get a very good vantage view of the entire lake. And you can see where boats are going and you can pretty much determine their, their course. And that's what the people did because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had needs that needed to be met. And so they determined where Jesus was going and they hurried across the beach, across the shoreline to greet Jesus when he comes in. And at that point, Jesus kind of gives up <laughs> because they, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd who need that encouragement, need those words. And so he comes to them and he provides for them. But I think in this short encounter, Jesus has given us some very important things. He's reminded us of our relationship to him. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep. We have to rely on him. And we already know that when we try too much to rely on ourselves and our own defense mechanisms, we fall short. And that we have to always rely on him and know that he is the good shepherd and he is there to help us. We must nurture that relationship of being obedient to our shepherd and allowing him to lead us. And know that he never deserts us. And in the times when we feel that we are in danger, that we know he is nearby. And all we have to do is listen for his voice. 
and he will lead us on the way that we need to go. When Jesus left the shore the first time, I'm sure there were a lot of disappointed people standing on the shore. Some of them had been there all day coming to see Jesus, and they had their own personal agenda that they wanted to present before Jesus. And when he sees them take the apostles and move off, I'm sure a lot of them were quite outdone, and they were determined that they were going to get to Jesus one way or the other. Two things come from this. Jesus said, when you serve as a shepherd in caring for other people, you're never going to be able to please everybody. There are going to be some people who are going to complain about your service, and, and they're, they're going to criticize you for not having all the energy that they think you ought to have to take care of their problems. And Jesus is saying, you don't take care of other people before you take care of yourself. Remember the flight attendant in the airplane giving the instructions before you leave, before you take off? He said, now, if these oxygen masks fall out of the overhead, before you put that mask on a child who is with you or someone else whom you're caring for, make sure you put it on yourself first so that you have the oxygen and you have the strength and that you're able to take care of them, then take care of those who are in your charge. That's good advice on an airplane, and that's good advice in life. Take care of yourselves. Follow Jesus. Do the things he challenges you to do, but don't lose sight of how, it is, how important it is that you take care of yourself. And if you listen to his voice, he will remind you of that. There are many caregivers in our congregation this morning. The fastest growing industry in America today is caregiving because our medical advances have lengthened the time of our life and people are living longer and needing care. And if you are not a caregiver yet, you will be. And that's the first thing that people in this industry who train caregivers at home tell them to do. Take care of your charge, but take care of yourself. And don't allow yourself to grow unnecessarily tired and weary and unable to meet the challenge of caring for the people who are in your care. That's another wonderful lesson that comes from that relationship and from the encounter that we have in today's gospel that is so practical for all of us. And I, and I ask you that to see that as a takeaway. That's something you need to take home for you. That relationship and that permission that God gives you to care for yourself. And then there's one final point I'd like to share with you, and it comes from the psalm that Peter read so beautifully for us and that we were all so familiar, the 23rd Psalm. Every verse in that psalm speaks something important to us, and we can relate to that. But there's one verse in there that I find 
is misunderstood by a lot of people and a little troubling, and that's verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Beautiful poetry. It's a beautiful expression. But what is it really saying? I draw your attention to the description of the valley. It's a valley in which there is a shadow of death. It's not Death Valley. It's those times in life when the shadow of danger is over you. And that's another lesson we can learn from the Good Shepherd who cares for us always and protects us not only from the imminent certain dangers that we put ourselves in sometime, but also from the fear of dangers that we might run into. And another thing that the modern sociologists tell us is that America is filled with people who are filled with anxieties. And the world in which we live and all the terrible things that happen all around the world that we are immediately informed of that your parents and your grandparents <clears throat> would not have heard of for weeks or months after it happened. But as soon as something happens anywhere in the world today, you're aware of it. And if it's bad, you're aware of it even sooner because nothing sells like bad news. And it comes to us all. And we live with a high sense of anxiety. Many people are almost immobilized by the anxiety that they allow to take over their lives. They are under the shadow. There is no imminent danger there. It's only the possibility, the shadow. Our good shepherd protects us from that as well. From death, from danger, from the shadow of death and danger and the possibility. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are his sheep. Let us follow his voice. Amen.